Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity and this rather echoey garage. This is episode 94, and this time we're going to talk about games you can play while you're driving that won't distract you from the road. We're also going to do a tech talk about the different detectors you should have in your van and when you should replace them, a product review of a 12-volt charger that will charge your new computer, and a tale from the road involving a rather stupid and tragic incident. Hello everyone, welcome back. I am recording from the inside of this garage because it's a place where I used to be able to park my NV200, but a place that my ambulance will never see the inside of. And well, the ambulance seat is in here and I, I just wanted to sit in it for a little. All right, I'm a little strange. If you haven't figured that out by now, this is the episode you're gonna figure that out. Anyway, before we get started, I have a couple little pieces of business to attend to. First off, just so you understand what things are like when you're building out your van, I'm having a very down time building my van. I've run into a number of problems and I'm not happy. I am not happy. Uh, I miss the fact that I had a perfectly built out van that I could hop in and go anywhere I wanted, anytime I wanted. Now I've got this half finished ambulance that Honestly, I think I've done more damage to it than construction. And well, it kind of sucks. So this may happen to you. So what do you do? You take a break and you keep going. And that's what I'm gonna do. I am going to finish this thing. I am going to make this into the camper van I want. And we're going to travel great places together. But for right now, I'm just kind of annoyed with it. So I'm gonna take a step back and that's okay. But perhaps more importantly, we need to discuss the fact that I am a hypocrite. I mean, I don't try to be a hypocrite, but I did do something hypocritical and you may have caught it. And that was this. Episode 90, I recorded while I was driving my van. And I mentioned that I was doing it safely, right? I was on an interstate, mostly straight. There were no other cars around. I wasn't holding the camera or anything. It was right by the front of the windshield, so I was looking forward. I mean, it was as safe as it could be. But then in episode 93, I mentioned that driving your van is the least safe thing you can do in your van. So how can those two things both be true? Well, they can't. They can't. The bottom line is that if you are driving distracted, well, that is not good and you shouldn't do it. And there's no reason for me to record this while I'm driving my van so I'm gonna stop. I won't be doing that anymore. Uh, I was called out on it, thank you for that, and it isn't gonna happen again. So, that said, <laughs> I am about to do something that's gonna seem perhaps even more hypocritical. I wanna to talk to you about games you can play while you're driving. And while technically they could be considered distractions, they're also things that keep you awake. And balancing distraction and keeping awake is a very important thing. So you have to use your own judgment. If you find playing these games distracts you, stop it. But if you find that it helps keep you awake on these long trips, by all means, do it. So some of these games involve two people, some involve one. Uh, and if you're traveling with two people, this is a great game that my wife and I invented and we call it Echoes, or at least I call it Echoes because I needed to give it a title to do this podcast. And it works like this. Somebody starts and plays a song. They can pick any song they want. But as you know, people often fight about what songs we're gonna play. I don't wanna listen to country music. You know how that goes, right? This solves that and is fun. 
So let's say I play the song Let It Be by the Beatles. Okay, fairly inoffensive song. The game is the person you're traveling with then has to pick another song, but it has to have a connection to the first song. So let's say they then pick Live and Let Die. All right, well, there's two connections there. They're both Paul McCartney and they both have the word let in it. But then let's say the next song is by Guns N' Roses. And you might be like, well, what's the connection there? Well, the connection is that Guns N' Roses also did a famous version of Live and Let Die. And so maybe you don't like Guns N' Roses, but you do like Adam and the Ants. So then you play the song Five Guns West. And then the person who hears that is like, well, Adam and the Ants, ah, they're kind of old. But if we're going to go old, I'm going to go even older. And so they play the song Cherokee People. And you may be like, well, what's the connection? And that's the game, to figure out the connection. It's a lot of fun. People get to play the music they want. And the only rules are there must be a connection and you must listen to the whole song. Because if you don't have that rule, it kind of breaks apart. People like listen to 30 seconds, guess the connection, and then want to switch to their song. And you want to avoid that. So that's Echoes. Good game. This next game also is best with two people because if you do it with one person, you're going to be distracted somewhat. And that is, I call it placards. And the idea is that you're trying to figure out what is inside all the trucks that you're sharing the road with. All trucks have placards on them that, ha that list whatever dangerous things they have. And they usually have a four-digit number. Like you might see 1287, which I think is diesel fuel on a tanker. Or you might see a diamond shape with four numbers on it. Each one of those numbers tells you if it's flammable or explosive or whatever. There are apps, and I'll link them in the show notes, that tell you what those things are. And it can be kind of fun to see what you're sharing the road with. It can be a little scary too. Now, if you want to play this game by yourself, I do not recommend you look things up in the app while you're driving. That would be distracted driving. But if you want to like write down in a notepad all the different numbers you saw and then look them up later, that could be fun. <laughs> Here's a game that I invented. I was driving from Massachusetts to Florida on a very long trip. I don't, I think I had to do it all at once. I wasn't going to spend the night and I needed something to maintain my attention. So I invented a game called Roadkill. Roadkill is not a game where you are trying to create roadkill. It's a game where you're trying to keep track of it. Now, at the time I did this, I was able to post Facebook posts with my voice. I don't know if you can still do that, but when I did this game, I was able to say, hey Siri, Facebook post, I just saw a dead raccoon. Now, I kept track of all the dead animals I saw, and it was kind of fascinating because in Massachusetts, I saw maybe a couple, and then, you know, basically all the way down south, there was just a oh, dead raccoon, like, oh, dead kitty, you know, and then on the way, that's a little morose maybe. And then when I got to Florida, I was like, dead fluffy thing, and oh, another dead fluffy thing, and oh, in the last 10 minutes, I've seen 30 dead things, I don't know what they are. It was, a, it was a little educational. I got to see just how much roadkill there is in Florida. But hey, not everyone has the same interests I do. I don't know that I'm actually all that interested in roadkill, but it did keep my attention for that one bit of time. <laughs> all right, now here's a game I play all the time, but it does require a bit of special equipment, although any cell phone can probably do this. I love Alexa. I love Amazon's Alexa, and yeah, they're spying on me and all that stuff, and I don't care. And... I love the fact that Alexa is directly connected to Wikipedia. So you can basically say, Alexa, Wikipedia, anything. And one of the things I like to do 
and this game I call Wikitown is to Wikipedia the towns I'm driving through because wow you learn some crazy stuff and it's not all obvious and all right so maybe that's not a game right maybe that's just looking things up but if you want to make it a game ask a question before you Wikipedia it for example you're traveling through Reedsville Guess as to where Reedsville got its name from. Was it named for the many reeds? Was it named after a guy named Reed? Or was it named after another place called Reed or Reedsville or whatever? Make a guess and then Wikipedia it and see if you're right. I've learned a lot and boy, um, again, this is just me, but it's one of my favorite things to do in the van and it works just fine by myself. It's not distracting at all. All right, and this last one also involves Alexa. If you have Alexa installed in your car, which I do and I absolutely love, Alexa, and maybe the Google Nest things too, I have one but I haven't used it as much, they let you play games. And some of those games are, are very engaging. Now caveat here, I find that Alexa has a hard time hearing you sometimes in the van. It doesn't like white noise and road noise and sometimes that can interfere and that can be frustrating. But if you want to give it a try, I highly recommend you try these games. One obvious one to try is Jeopardy. It's great. I mean, it's one of the best smart speaker games there is, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Uh, I used to play it daily. I've kind of fallen out of the habit, but it's a lot of fun and it's pretty well done. And it's basically, you just play Jeopardy. The competition part is missing. You're basically just answering questions. It'll say, this man was president of the United States during the Civil War. And you would say, who is Lincoln? That would be, anyway. I like it, give it a try. Another one in a similar vein is called Lie Swatter. Now these are from the Jackbox people. Um, basically, the game is that it will make five statements and you have to tell it whether it's true or false. And the statements are often humorous or a little surprising and that's the fun of it. They're things that you may not know. For example, wombats poop in cubes, lie or truth. Well, the answer is true, as it happens. It's a little bit of a strange thing, and there's even a reason for it, but I'm a little off topic here. But anyway, give Lie Swatter a try. And with all of these, you just have to say, Alexa, play Lie Swatter. That's it. Another one that's pretty good, and this is a classic car game, is 20 Questions. It's just like regular 20 Questions, except you play with Alexa versus another person. And it's really very good. It's, it's kind of amazing at how good it is. It, this database they've created for 20 cues is just amazing. The only thing I've never been able to get it to guess is baby. So see if you can get it to guess baby. I've never been able to do that. And then there are some really elaborate games if you really want to get into them. Like Skyrim. Yes, you can play Skyrim on your Alexa. Uh, it's, you know, it's your basic choice. Go left or right or fight the rogues or whatever, but it exists. In fact, there are hundreds and hundreds of games for Alexa, and there are many, many for the Google Nest as well, but I find that Alexa is actually better. And if you don't have an Alexa installed in your van, or three of them, which I think I currently have installed, you can play these on your phone. You simply get the Alexa app for your phone, and then it's a one-button tap on the screen, and you can say, Alexa, play this, and it'll do it through your phone. I know that there are tons of other games people play. There's the license plate game and the alphabet game and all those, but I thought I would introduce a few new ones and hopefully some of these games will give you some entertainment on the road. If you have a game that I missed and you feel I should mention, let me know and I'll add it to a future episode. Hey, let's talk about detectors for a minute. I'm wearing a mask if I sound funny. I'm sorry, it's the rule here in Chicago. 
Yes, you should have a smoke detector in your van. There's actually three kinds of detectors that are useful in vans. There's the smoke detector, which is fairly obvious, but I think maybe even more important is one like this, a smoke detector with a carbon monoxide alarm. Carbon monoxide is the thing that's really scary in vans, so I definitely think you should have one of those. There's also a thing called an explosive gas detector. So here's one here, carbon monoxide and natural gas. It should, it should detect propane, but here's the problem. There are 120 volts. I have never seen one that wasn't 120 volts. And while yes, it has a battery backup, these things apparently use enough power that that's a problem. I would really like to see them come out with one of these that runs on 12 volts. But here's a few little things you should know about these things. You do not want to buy a 120 volt hardwired one for your van. That is bad. You want one that runs off of a battery. And you are going to check this battery fairly often. They recommend you check it every time the time zones change or the uh, daylight savings time changes, which may or may not be the case where you live. So I'm gonna say every time it's a solstice, change your battery. Also, lithium, the expensive ones, the 10 year ones are actually much better. You actually don't replace the batteries on these. They have a lithium battery in there and they last 10 years and they probably work better in cold temperatures. And remember, these things are designed for homes where the temperature is fairly consistent. In your van, that may not be the case. So make sure you get one that runs on its own battery. Try to get one of the 10 year ones that uses a lithium battery because they're better. And absolutely, absolutely make sure that you get a carbon monoxide alarm. There are combo units like this one here. This one looks pretty good. This is a 10 year one that detects smoke and carbon monoxide. It has everything you want. Now, it's 50 bucks here, which may seem like a lot, but let me tell you, dying from smoke or carbon monoxide is a lot more expensive. So of the ones here, I recommend this one. You of course can get these on Amazon. I'll have links there too, but definitely, definitely make sure you're protected with a detector. Another thing that's not obvious about these things, they expire. So the 10 year ones are obviously gonna last for 10 years, but some of the other ones only last for a few years. So don't think that this is a one and done. You're gonna to have to maintain this thing. You're gonna to have to clean it. You're gonna to have to dust it and you're gonna to have to replace it after it expires. These 10 year ones, you're supposed to throw them out after 10 years and the ones that aren't 10 years. So make sure you find out when it expires. It's important not only for your own personal safety, but it will protect your rig. If something's wired wrong in your van, well, the smoke detector could be the first way you find out about it. And heck, I wanna know as soon as possible. In my NV200, I had a separate, separate electrical cabinet and I put a smoke detector in there. If anything was smoking in there, I wanted to find out about it as soon as possible. So these things aren't fun necessarily. They're not like the best thing about van life. You're not gonna see Instagram posts about them, but they're super important. Please take the time to protect yourself and everyone else you're traveling with. a place to visit. I was fortunate enough to live in Utah for four years back in the early 90s, late 80s, and one of the things I never got to see, but did get to see later, was this crazy thing way out in the desert, but pretty easy to access. The story goes like this. 
A guy from Sweden was exploring Utah, and he was in Salt Lake City, and as many visitors do, he decided that he wanted to travel west and go to Nevada, and of course, Wendover is right at the border. That's the casino that all the Mormons go to and don't tell anybody. And you take I-80 out there, and it's an amazing drive. You go past the Salt Air Resort or whatever's left of it. You see the Great Salt Lake. You can see Antelope Island in the distance, and you're basically on this long, straight road with nothing in the way. It's the kind of place that if you fell asleep and kind of drifted off the road, eh, it might not be that big of a deal. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But Carl was driving across this treeless landscape and he says he had a vision and that vision was of a tree. And so there not being any trees there and the idea of planting a tree there being fairly ridiculous, well, Carl did what any reasonable artist would do. He built a tree. He didn't build just any tree. He built a tree named Metaphor, the tree of Utah, which is what most of the locals call it. Now, if you're driving along this road, as you're approaching Nevada, you will see this tree on the right. It is massively tall and you can pull over and park at its base. But be careful because in recent years, tiles have started to fall off the tree and there's a fence around it. But the tree is pretty fascinating. Definitely you want to take a look at pictures of this, of this thing. You can just Google Tree of Utah to see that or here's some pictures here in the video or they're in the show notes or however you want to get it. But definitely look at pictures. It's this very large steel tree, maybe something out of Dr. Seuss with these giant balls hanging from it. And some of the balls lie at the base of the tree like they were seeds that opened up. Anyway, it's kind of a cool thing and it's something to break the monotony of that drive. And I think you should pull over. Should you park there for the night? I'm positive people have done this, but I don't think it's technically allowed. I have actually pulled over and slept on the side of I-80 on that stretch of road with no problems, but I can't say you should. It also seems to be a popular uh, spot for presumably male individuals who wish to water the tree. I'd recommend against that as well, but mm, people are gonna be people. So yeah, I think that road is fascinating in and of itself. If you look along the edges of the road, you can see where people have drawn things out of black rocks in the white salty sand. That's fun too. And of course, there's the great fun of at the end of the road, you're greeted with the wonders of Wendover and West Wendover, the Bonneville Salt Flats, the plane from Con Air, and a whole bunch of bizarre little things that you would never expect to find in the middle of the desert. Again, that is metaphor, the tree of Utah on I-80 near the Nevada border. Tales from the road. So I'm not terribly proud of this story, but hopefully someone can learn something from it. Ah, uh, this was many years ago, maybe 2007, 2008. I was driving from Connecticut to Vermont, although oddly I was in New York, which doesn't make sense if you look at a map unless you realize I was in very Western Connecticut and I was taking 87 up to Burlington. That actually does make sense. At any rate, <laughs> I'm driving up and I find myself in one of these annoying situations where I'm kind of blocked in by cars. I was in the left-hand lane with a car right on my bumper, another car in front of me, and a car to the right of me. This is not a good place to be. You know, you want to try to maintain what's called a space cushion when you're driving, and uh, no, this was bad. So. Uh, I was trying to get out of that situation, and the official recommendation, if you're in that situation, is to slow down, forcing the car behind you to slow down, and then you can move over to the right. But this guy wasn't really having any of that. As I slowed down, he just kind of got closer to my bumper, and he was making me nervous. So, 
I just decided to sit tight and hope that somebody would move. And then eventually the car in front of me did move. He sped up and pulled over, actually took an exit. Great, I had room. So I started going a little bit faster to pass the guy on the right so I could get over in the right-hand lane. And, well, he was one of those that likes to match your speed. Oh, are you racing me? Well, let's go then. And I'm just trying to pass him and he was matching my speed. And now we're well over the speed limit at this point. I'm like, well, I've got to get out of this situation. So I sped up a little bit more and I was going significantly faster than the speed limit at this point. And I pulled ahead of him, pulled over into the right-hand lane and started to slow down so everyone could just leave and pass me and get out of the way. And I passed into a construction zone. And I didn't think anything of that. I was slowing down. But the police officer, the state trooper, who was parked right at the beginning of the construction zone, did have a little bit of concern with my speed and, well, blue lights flashing, pulled me over, and we had a nice chat. Now, in that chat, I didn't actually try to defend myself. I was speeding in a construction zone. That's all there was to it. And while there were extenuating circumstances, I'm in control of the vehicle, the vehicle speed is my responsibility, and I was going too fast in the construction zone. I think he got me for 12 over in a construction zone, and uh, that's not good. That is not a good thing. So what happened was, he was very efficient and curt and not very talkative and wrote me a ticket. I think it was for $150. Uh, Alright, bummer. You pay the ticket, right? I got some points on my license, but I didn't have any other points on my license, so I wasn't too worried about that. But what I didn't know was that in the state of New York, at least at the time, your ticket is not the end of the story. Not only do you get a ticket, you get another one the year after, and another one the year after, and you actually get four years worth of tickets. It's like a subscription to a ticket. And so after the second year of getting these tickets in the mail, there was an option to pay it all off so you wouldn't get any more. And I took that. And I think the entire thing cost me about $400. So moral of this story is uh, you really need to respect construction zones, which, which I do. I did not mean to speed in the construction zone. It was in this weird circumstance that when it started, there wasn't even a construction zone. But I tell you this story so you'll be especially careful in construction zones. And these days, you have to watch out for cameras as well because camera ticketing is way on the rise, even on interstates. And eventually, every single person who speeds in a construction zone is gonna end up getting a ticket. Product review. Greetings from my very messy van, my poor van. Anyway, I found a really cool thing and uh, it is a 12 volt USB charger. And while you might not think that's the most exciting thing in the world, this one's pretty cool because it can do 95 watts total. 95 watts, that's a lot. And what that means is that with this simple cigarette lighter plug-in charger by the company Watobius, you're definitely going to want to check the link in the show notes for this one. You can charge newer Mac and Windows laptops just from a cigarette lighter outlet. Now, that, again, is not something that that's terribly new, but this is a PD, or power delivery, USB device. That means it can send 65 watts of power to your laptop to charge it, which is the same as the charger that comes with my MacBook Air, for example. 
This is huge. This means that you can charge your MacBook over 12 volts without worrying about inverters. And I'm positive there are Windows computers like the Microsoft Surface that act the same way. It does have a USB-C port in it. And that's the most common thing. iPhones come with those now. All Mac products come with USB-C, at least on one end. And you plug that in and it charges and it's great. It does have the traditional USB-A port, so you can plug in all your devices into this one thing, and you can plug in multiple things at once. In short, this one 12 volt charger that plugs into a cigarette lighter outlet can charge everything you have that you charge over USB. Now, that said, there are some issues with it. First off, to draw that much power, you have to have a robust 12 volt outlet. This thing could possibly pop a fuse if you had a really wimpy one. I've tested it in my Awantfi power station and I've tested it in my Sprinter van and it has worked fine. So that isn't an issue for many people, but it, it might be an issue. So just keep in mind that this thing's gonna draw some power. The other thing is that it's kind of big, which isn't too surprising. I'm honestly surprised at how small it is, but that means it sticks out from the 12 volt outlet a bit. And that isn't the end of the world, but you're gonna have to deal with that. In the Sprinter vans with uh, of my era, the NCV3s of 20, let's see, it's 28, 2008 to 2016, I think. The cigarette lighter's in the ashtray and it kind of sticks out. And, it's, and so I can't close the ashtray with the thing in, but, I don't care. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that I can charge my laptop or especially use my laptop without turning on the inverter and getting full power. For those of you who, like me, don't want to use the inverter very much, this is a great solution. And the best news is the price. This thing is $37.49. And while that sounds like a lot for a 12 volt USB charger, compare it to the cost of an Apple MacBook Air charger, which last I checked was $79. This does exactly the same thing and it does it in your car. I'll have a link in the show description, but definitely you want to check this thing out. Again, it's called the Watobius <laughs> USB-C car charger, 95 watts. And to be clear, it has two USB-C ports, one that does 65 watts and one that does 30 watts. So you could plug in your laptop in the top one and your iPad or iPhone in the bottom one, and both would be charged at their full charging capacity. I think it's great. I'd love to see more stuff like this. I'd also like to see these things installed in vehicles to begin with. As a side note, and perhaps this is a little bit of tech talk, you may have noticed in older cars that have the USB outlet that you can't charge your phone in them. You plug them in and you hook up the Bluetooth and you play audio from your phone and the battery goes down. That's because the original USB standard was for only 0.5 watts. That's right, you'd get 5 volts at 0.5 watts because it was never intended to be a power delivery system. It was meant for data and creative engineers over the years have learned to suck power out of there and they want more and more power. So now with USB-C and PD power delivery, we can finally get a lot of power out of these things and this device takes advantage of that. Anyway, a little bit of trivia for you. Uh, also USB stands for Universal Serial Bus. <laughs> resource recommendation all right so this is kind of along the same line as the games but uh, this is a fun little thing I found it's a bit expensive but I think it might be useful and it's called here here now <laughs> that's h-e-a-r h-e-r-e -E, here here 
And it's this app that will use your GPS to figure out where you are and then tell you a story about that place. Sometimes by famous actors like Kevin Costner. There's, there's over 8,000 of these stories. And the idea is that you're driving down the road and this thing will say, hey, I've got a story here. Do you want to hear it? And you'll say, well, yes, yes, I do. And it will tell you a professionally narrated story about where you are. Now, I just did the ones in Chicago, and they basically told me the history of Chicago, which, as any Chicagoan will tell you, was founded by a Haitian man in the late 18th century. And uh, it was kind of fascinating. And if I had just come to Chicago, I would have loved learning all that information. And like I said, there are eight, over 8,000 of these and if you look at the map of the U.S., it's hard to find a place that doesn't have a dot on it with a story. Now, like I said, it's kind of expensive. It's around 10 bucks a month. Turns out I was wrong on the price. It's as low as $2.99 a month, and boy, that's not so bad. Which seems like a lot, but I'm assuming you can just do it for a month. And if you're going to take a big, long road trip, and maybe it was going to take a month, heck, for 10 bucks. Listening to all those stories would easily be the equivalent of an audiobook. So, while I think it's pricey, I do like it, and the quality is really good. This is not just some people mumbling into microphones like, Fort Lauderdale, Florida is known as the Venice of the West because there are so many boats. No, it isn't like that. They're well-told, very professional, and really informative. So. I am recommending it. I haven't used it very long, but I definitely think you should check it out at least. There's five stories free as a trial. No, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not, a, I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. It's just an app I thought you guys might like. So that is Here Here, available in the App Store. Links in the show notes, of course. Let's talk about some news. Haven't done that in a while. Uh, I'm recording this largely as an experiment for sound quality. I have a feeling, uh, I have a feeling the street noise is gonna be too much. But this microphone has impressed me so far, so we'll give it a try. So van life news. First off, Nissan has announced a new van, but don't get excited because it's not coming to the US and it's actually an old van, sadly. So as you may have heard in the North American market, Nissan has pulled out all their commercial vans. No more NV200s, no more NVs in Canada or the US and I presume Mexico where they're made. This is kind of a shame because these vehicles were very popular and great for van life, but they're gone. However, Nissan just announced a new van called the Nissan Townstar. And it's kind of a cute little van. It's comparable to an NV200, except it has a larger cargo area. Although looking at it, you'd never believe that because it actually looks more like a car. But here's the thing. This van is based on Nissan's partnership with Renault, and it's just a Renault Kangaroo rebadged as a Nissan. So like Chevy did with the Chevy City Express, which was just a rebadged Nissan NV200, well, this new Nissan Townstar is just a rebadged <laughs> Renault Kangaroo. So it's actually not a new van at all, and at any rate, it won't be available in North America. I'm sad too. Ford has introduced a new vehicle, and it is a Transit, an e-Transit, that is an electric Transit, but it's a cutaway. Now this is interesting because cutaway vans are specialty vehicles. They're what Class B RVs are made out of, what box trucks are made out of, and the fact that Ford would do this 
means that they are fully committed to electric vehicles. In fact, they just announced they're building an enormous new plant to make these vehicles and their own batteries. So right now, I do not think it's feasible to have an all electric camper van. I know people have done it in Europe and they're limited to very short distances. But with this kind of dedication from Ford and one presumes other automotive companies will follow suit, yeah, 10 years from now, we might all be driving electric vans. And this may be not news, but the part shortage continues. Yes, this is a complex issue. Uh, there was a fire in a factory and chips were hard to come by. And then there was COVID and production lines were shut down and transportation was a mess. And right now we have cargo ships stocked up on both coasts trying to get into port to give us parts. And folks, let me tell you something. You could be in a situation where a very simple part fails in your van and your van will not work for months. Now, I am recording this at the very end of September. As of now, the problems look like they're going to start easing, but not very quickly. I think we're going to be stuck with this part shortage now for at least several more months. So what does this mean for you? Well, be patient. Uh, I was talking with the Mercedes dealer when I had my Sprinter brought in for service and they said they have vans stacked up in the parking lot waiting for parts. And I went and saw some of these vans and they were a lot of camper vans and one had Alaska plates on it. So that means these people were traveling across the country from Alaska and something went wrong and they needed a part and now their vans parked at the dealer in Chicago for who knows how long. So. I don't have a great solution for this. Just know that, hey, if you can't find the part on Rock Auto, you're probably not gonna find it. So um, make sure your vehicle's in good repair now, get the parts when you can, and make sure you've got a big buffer when you head out there because you might find yourself without your van simply because some part broke. Well, thank you for listening to this episode 94. I absolutely appreciate every pair of eyeballs and every pair of ears. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. You can get in touch with me at jeff at builttogo.com. Until next time, remember the words of Roy Bennett. Your hardest times often lead to the greatest moments of your life. Keep going! <laughs>